Welcome to Weighing In with Weigh Less MD and Wellness. My name is Sherry Stoka, and I am owner and founder of Weigh Less MD. And I am here with Erica Gutierrez, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist with Weigh Less MD. And today we're going to really dig into the processed food industry and talk about really some important pieces to, to this topic. So, welcome, Erica. Thank you for having me here today. I think this is a really key topic that we're talking about. You know, personally, just the experience of having young children go through the, the school system and being around friends and exposure to all of these different processed foods and all of our patients experiencing the same struggles. Exactly. And, and that's why, you know, when we, when we decided that we should really talk about this topic it, it's really because we're not really thinking through this, you know, because it's such a part, a normal part of our life, we're not realizing how detrimental it is to our health. And I think, you know, it's so important for us to really help people understand, you know, why, why we, it has come to this, you know, where we are at and really what can we do to, to get better, improve our health and, and be, you know, really just be a part of that change. What's really fun is when we teach patients really how to look at a food label properly and what ingredients are and what everything means. And they come back and say, wow, I've been eating this food, you know, on the front, it says heart healthy and great for this and that. But then when I turn the label over and actually look at it, it doesn't really fit in with my health goals. So again, a great topic and something that definitely needs more education out there. Definitely. It's just, yeah, it's just literally one example. So I think it, it would be helpful. I'm just going to start out with some statistics about processed foods. And so what, what studies show now is that 70% of Americans are consuming their diet consists of processed foods. One in four Americans eat fast food every single day. The average American consumes 130 pounds of sugar in a year. So that is equivalent to about three pounds every week per person. And more than one third of the US, US adults are obese with an estimated annual medical cost of $147 billion. And the other important piece here is our children. And, you know, children are developing adult diseases nowadays. You know, this is, this is really when, where it, it hits home for, I know for me and I know for you as well, when it comes to children, because really if we can't start educating these kids young enough, I mean, where does that put us in the future? So one last statistic that I wanted to point out, because we're always talking about deaths, right? How can we prevent deaths? 41 million people die each year from these preventable conditions. So essentially, these are lifestyle chronic diseases that people are dying from. These are absolutely staggering statistics. You know, one in four eat fast food every day. We know what's in fast food, not, not real food. 
the amount of sugar people are eating, 70% of the diet being processed, I look at that, you know, we talk about the 80-20 rule or the 90-10 rule. This is like the exact opposite. So it's how do we how do we move forward? And I think a big issue is long ago when we started processing foods with all the agriculture. Abs I mean, absolutely. It's you know, it is really important to really understand where where this all came from. So, you know, speaking of that, why, you know, help people understand really what processing means when we're we talk about processed foods, but really, we're just throwing that term out. I mean, people have a good idea of what that could mean, but they really don't know the details surrounding it. So I did look up the actual definition and it has several different meanings. So I'm gonna just read this off. Food processing is the transformation of agricultural products into food or one form of food into other foods. So this includes many forms of processing. It could be grinding grain into raw flour. It could be home cooking. But what we're focusing on here today is the complex industrial methods used to make convenience foods. And that's the 70% of the processed foods that Americans are eating that we talked about earlier. So the real problem with this is what foods are being transformed into now is not meant to be eaten and is not well digested or received by our bodies. So you know, when in season we eat a ear of sweet corn, that's one thing, but what we're doing is every day feeding kids with high fructose corn syrup. It's a totally different component. It's a totally different way our body processes it. For example, wheat. So much has come up in the, um, on the news about wheat. So you hear about that, wheat's good, wheat's bad. Well, original wheat, most people can digest. It's now this white bleached flour that's stripped of fiber and nutrients. So it's left with nothing but the remnants and it's, it's something our body doesn't even need. Um, so it's often the added things. So it's not, sorry. oh, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was just gonna say, just to add on to that about stripping, you know, the important nutrients out of the grain, you know, the, the fiber, the endosperm, you know, all those important pieces. And then to add to that, companies will say fortified with or enriched with, you know, certain vitamins because they pulled it all out. They pulled out the real natural ingredients, vitamins and minerals, and then they put fake synthetic back in to, and then they call it fortified. So people have this perception that, oh, you know, this is, this is healthy. That's a really great point. And so true of what they do. And that doesn't even get into the complex industrial methods, a lot of times there's just horrible chemicals that are used in the process of creating the grain to the, the white flour. Um, and then to make things worse, more things are added to these foods to make them more appealing, or you could say more addicting. Um, a lot of the bad fats. I know there's been a lot out there about trans fats, so those have actually been greatly reduced, but you know, the trans fats are terrible, hydrogenated fats. We have too much saturated fats. And then also the plant oils. There are way too many omega-6s in our diet versus omega-3s. So, you know, canola oil was touted for so long, but we really have a wrong balance of omega-6s to omega-3s. 
And then added sugars and sodium, those are the other things that really get added to a lot of our foods to make them taste better. Um, And then food chemicals. So colorings to make foods look more appealing, stabilizers to prolong the life. And then when you look at animal products, they're given hormones and antibiotics through their whole life, which we then ingest as well. So not only are our foods stripped of all of our nutrients, but now all of these things are added to make them more fulfilling. So one of the things that just hit me here is I remember the influence my kids had. You know, I remember them being born and taking the time to breastfeed and do all the right things for my kids. And then they go to school And at a very young age, my kids were getting exposed to the other kids' snacks on how colorful they were and how good they tasted. And it's really a a hard balance. And I don't think there's a good answer to some of this because I don't wanna completely deprive my children and say they can't have things because then they're gonna want them more. So how do you tiptoe into this and, and create a balance and teach our kids the right things. So that, that it's definitely a hard one. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's so difficult because it just, it kind of, it creates just that social, that environment that everybody else is doing it. So if you're teaching your kids to eat healthy and nobody else is, I mean, my, my son even said it to me. He's like, mom, you know, you, you keep pushing and you keep talking about all these healthy foods, which of course my kids, you know, eat healthier than, than the average, but he's like, how bad can it be? Everybody eats this way. And when he said that to me, I mean, I like, I felt like someone like stabbed me in the gut because it just goes to show that this is the norm now. And people do not realize how bad the food is because everybody, you know, everybody's doing it. That's a really good point. And, you know, in schools, in middle schools, my daughter, they are allowed to have access to food the whole time they're there. So they can snack and eat whenever they want. They have vending machines available to them. And so she's seeing all of them around her just snacking on, you know, the processed chips and candy and things like that all day long. So it's really not easy for our kids as well. Well, and especially for you and your daughter, just because of of her condition and you having to manage her blood sugars while she's in school. And that's, that's, I can imagine that can be such a difficult situation because of peers. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. I mean, there is no, there is no doubt about it. So what do you think as far as this, like, where are we going wrong and why isn't there more education out there to people? You know, I, I ask myself this all the time and I, and I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on the answer, but what I did, what I did want to know is like, when, when did this all begin? You know, I do remember being in high school and I remember, you know, so that was that, you know, that was long enough ago, but processed food industry, you know, was taken over by the tobacco industry. I think I want to say like 70 years ago, I couldn't find the exact year, but think about that. The tobacco industry took over the food industry. So, so not, not much synergy goes um, with those two industries. So, but what we know, and, you know, you can research it. I mean, there's so much 
out there that, you know, obviously Google is willing to put out there, but that is really when the processed foods started to increase significantly. So, you know, then you have these big players and you have the educational system. And, you know, one of the main questions our clients, our patients will, will say to us is, you know, you're telling me all, you're giving me all this information. Why are my doctors not talking about this? Why am I only hearing it from you? Why are the schools not talking to my children about this? And, and that is where, you know, that is where we, we really, really have gone wrong. And I don't, I don't think this is a mistake. I think this is largely driven in our educational system. I think the pharmaceutical industry really, they have so much money that they, they basically fund our medical schools, you know, so our medical medical school curriculum is largely pharmaceutical based. They're not taught how to heal the body and eat well. They are trained to, you know, treat a chronic disease. So that's why, you know, when you go in there and you're hundred pounds overweight, you're, nobody is talking about, you know what, maybe you should do X, Y, Z to improve your health. But instead it's like, here's your blood pressure meds, your cholesterol, et cetera. So I then know there are a lot of doctors though, too, that say they are at a loss and they feel helpless as well on what to do. And they admit they don't have any training in that area. So yeah, that's a really good point. It, exactly. And, and that's a, uh, another good thing to mention is that the doctor, a lot of doctors, they feel like their hands are tied because, you know, they don't get a lot of time with patients and let's be honest, you know, you and I are in the business. It takes time to educate and teach people how to live healthier, eat healthier. And so if they're, if they don't have that, that background, then it's, they're not going to talk about it. You know, they are going to go through the quick fix, which is, you know, you have this, so I'm going to give you this. And, you know, you, we're seeing it more and more that so many MDs are getting out of this conventional medicine because they, they don't feel like they're helping people. And another, you know, another piece to this is, I mean, let's talk about our profession, um, the American uh, Nutrition of Nutrition and Dietetics Association. Literally, you know, I was a, I was a part of our, you know, I was a part of this for so long, for so many years. And, and I do think it brings a lot of value to, to really educate people, but I, they also are very much tied to these big food industries that are largely processed foods. And a lot of the information that is put out there is manipulated by what, what they're being told by big, by big food industries. You know, I worked for Abbott Nutrition. I worked for Nestle, Nestle Nutrition. So I don't work there anymore because I couldn't, I, it, it, it did not feel right for me to be pushing a product to namely, you know, mothers, you know, Pediasure that was so high in high, high fructose corn syrup. I mean, and that's just one thing, but at the end of the day, you know, money is money. And I feel like money is, is driving a lot of this. I do think there are so many people trying to do the right things, but when it comes down to it, you know, we're not, 
we're not funding education in the schools. You know, this is number one that needs to happen. We need, we need doctors, our own doctors talking to people about this. It's not happening because they're not trained on it. So again, it, the education piece is so huge. Another, another big piece to this is, um, well, I'll, I'll just mention, you know, there has been efforts historically just trying to, trying to get kids to um, move more in school too, because it's not about, it's not only about the nutrition, it's about movement and getting kids more active. And we all kind of remember Michelle Obama's approach to, to do this. And even she really couldn't, she really couldn't um, make a change. And, you know, that was quickly shut down as well. So again, you know, these are just little pieces to a bigger problem, but it is something that I think we just as a society need to be aware of. So that lends me to my question for you is, why do you think our government is, is not helping us, you know, educate, edu educate, really protect our, you know, protect our society? You know, do you think it's all about money or is it a little more complex than that? Well, first of all, you know, we look at what we do here in the U.S. and then what some other European countries are doing, and they are so far ahead of us as far as protecting us um, or protecting their people from um, the, the different issues, the glyphosate, the GMOs, things like that. Um, I do think it's more complex. It goes back a really long time, and I think what it comes down to is there have been really strong political agendas with a, a very narrow focus. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, this great thing, they wanted to help out farmers and that, that goal is great. So what they chose to do is grow crops as fast as they could and as, as efficiently as they could so that the farmers could make money. And what ended up happening is we have now genetically modified food. We have foods that are doused in chemicals to make money, money for the farmers, but then also an abundant food supply because that's also a big issue, sustainability. And what they did, like I said here, it's a very narrow focus to help out the farmers. They didn't look at the big picture and come up with the different solutions that help all agendas. You know, you, you know, you run a business, you know, you have to survive. And what some of these food industries have done is, you know, really spend a lot of money on lobbyists. You look at the dairy industry and the meat industry, they are very bound to lobbyists and the, the politics because they want their business to thrive. They're not looking at the bigger picture of how does this, these foods actually affect people. And then no one's actually willing to admit fault afterwards that maybe GMOs are not the best thing for us or that glyphosate is re really causing gut health issues. All the autoimmune that has popped up since then, it drives me crazy because every time I go into the pediatrician, they ask me if my kids are getting their two to three servings of dairy every day. Oh, good Lord. They do not talk about other things. And I've actually brought up to a couple of them. There are a lot of other ways to get the nutrients we need. And they are like, they have no idea what I'm talking about. They have to check that off for standards of care. Mm -hmm. So it just shows how deep 
it runs, how political it is. Um, and then I'm not saying, you know, anybody has a bad agenda initially for this. For example, the school lunches. This is another agenda to help feed starving kids. So the way they do this to make it available to all is make school lunches ex extremely cheap. So the chicken nuggets are not made of chicken, they're made of soy fillers um, and, and all these other cheap ingredients. So it's getting kids sicker and sicker um, with the school foods they're eating as well. And then we're wondering why performance in school is declining. You know, we, they can't even get a, yeah, they can't get a piece, they can't even get a real piece of fruit. You know, the mm -hmm. fruit is, is doused in sugar. It's in a can and doused in sugar. Um, I mean, again, we could talk all day about this, but these are things that people really need to take a step back and, and really look at what is going into our mouths. So to help people decipher a little bit more, what would you say are the worst foods that we are eating? Yeah, I know it's, I mean, I guess the obvious stuff, you know, the really it starts with the, the school lunches, unfortunately, but then there's the junk food, you know, the cookies, the crackers, the pastries, you bread. I mean, you can't even get a loaf of bread without it being full of sugar, full of additives, preservatives. I mean, bread is, is forever changed. We, we no longer, you know, are offered a, a loaf of bread that's just made of, you know, flour and water and salt. So, you know, the snack foods, I think, are the lowest hanging fruit for sure. Um, the, the next piece to that, I would say, is the frozen meals, because I have looked at almost every single one of them, because I'm also, you know, looking for convenient foods sometimes. And I can never find one because of the amount of junk that's added to it. So, you know, the other thing is like what you said, the fruits and vegetables, that's another big problem. You know, you want to buy whole, whole foods, um, but now we have to worry about how much are they being sprayed? You know, are we washing them enough before we're consuming them? Because if we're not, well, you know, that, that's going to do its, um, that's going to have its negative effects as well. So it's, it's complex, but you know, the inside aisles of the grocery store, I think are, are the obvious areas. And that's two thirds of the store. So it really doesn't leave you much area to even shop when you think about it. It doesn't. And so again, it goes back to, well, how can this be bad when this is all that is offered? You know, we make, we make healthy food more expensive. We subsidize, we subsidize the unhealthy food. We make it accessible to people at all times. I mean, the fact that there's these vending machines of soda in schools, it, it, it just, you know, again, makes me a little crazy. But um, again, that's why we talk about this stuff because we, at the end of the day, we just wanna really generate that awareness. And that's, that's really what we can do. You know, there's, there's things at the small level that we can do on our own. And then there's bigger agendas that we can be a part of. Um, for all the parents out there, it can be just setting a good example 
at home. So while your kid may continue to ask for the junk food, you, you know, we're responsible for putting the things on the table and we're not responsible for what they actually eat because, you know, that can create, if you get into feeding children and having them healthy, that's like a whole nother topic. But the best thing you can do is, is set a good example. Some of the things you can do are, you know, have your own garden, have your kids get involved in the garden. Um, talk about, you know, maybe what is their motivation? What is the kid's motivation? Is it to play sports? Well, then to fuel yourself properly, you need to be eating this, this, and this, and not those other things, you know, look for people's motivation. That's what we do a lot of times, you know, in the work we do too with adults, but do your own research, make sure you're looking at the label. Um, there have been some great things out there. Certain schools banned vending machines. They've talked about putting extra tax on soda. You know, the food stamp programs are allowing um, them to go, uh, people to go to, to farmer's markets. They're working on food desert areas and actually bringing produce in. So there are a lot of things happening. Um, one thing you could do today is to commit to getting off of those addicting foods and reset. It's not easy. It's going to take a couple of days. People have actual withdrawal symptoms when they, when they get off of these foods. So it is a challenge, but it's something that's definitely doable. Um, you know, and the food industries listen when enough people want something. Look at how the gluten-free industry has boomed. Once all those books came out, um, creating awareness around wheat, whether good or bad, you know, because obviously there's some really bad gluten-free foods out there the food industries do listen. So it's about creating those trends and sharing what you know with other people. So yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah, I think, and I think it's worth uh, mentioning again to point out what you said about the foods being addictive, addicted. And, and what we know, and there's many, many books written on this, that the big food industries, when they are, when they're developing certain foods, they specifically do it to get people addicted to the food. And, and really that takes putting ingredients in there that actually will, will connect with certain reward systems in the brain. It will, and you talked a little bit about this in one of our previous podcasts, how, how it creates this dopamine response and dopamine is the pleasure neurotransmitter. And they, the food industry scientists are literally doing this in the labs. So the food is addictive, um, not only because you know it's high in sugar, high in fat, all of that, all of those components, but they are they are specifically, you know, altering and manipulating it um, as well. So that it's important to understand that because most of our clients think they just are, they, they don't understand why they can't give it up. You know, it's very hard for them because then they self-sabotage and they blame themselves. They don't have the willpower. Well, you know, it, it isn't all of their fault because it's, it's literally like, and I, and I use, I, I think of, I try, I always try to think of analogies and I'm like, okay, if I grew up in a home and my parents would offer me drugs, you know, if they offered me cocaine at a young age, you know, they're responsible for that. And I, you know, that would not be all my fault because, you know, that's what I was told to do. And now I'm addicted. 
So, so again, I'm, I got a little long-winded, but it is important for people to understand that it can be, it can be in an addiction. And so therefore it is a little more of a process to get off of some of the foods. I think it's really helpful that you just mentioned that because otherwise people will stay in the blaming themselves category and just keep circling and circling. But when they can understand it to that deeper level, that can really help them shift and change. So as we wrap up, I do want to highlight what you have coming up next week on on the podcast. Um, You were contacted by an author. Um, He has a new book coming out called Supersize Lies. Um, Do you want to tell us a little bit about a sneak peek of what we have to come? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I I was contacted by the author. I was asked um, to read his book before it launches in September. So it is called Supersized Lies. So essentially, um, the author, Robert Davis, he's he's known as the healthy skeptic. So this is an award-winning journalist who has written three books before. He's been on CNN, um, WebMD, the Wall cited in the Wall Street Journal. So, you know, he's he's definitely credible. He's super, super passionate about getting false information out there and helping people kind of like what we just did, really help people to sift through truth versus lies. And so I'm going to have him on next week. So that's the 24th. And we're going to we're going to dig deep into the details of that book and really really get another perspective for, from someone who has spent years digging into the science part of it. Well, I'm really excited to see what comes of that. And I feel like it was really nice talking about this topic today because this is a little piece of us doing what we can to get the right information out there, like you said. So um, I wanna thank everybody for listening and taking the time and look forward to the next episode. Great, see you then.